Let's pray. Lord, we've been asked the question, why? Why would your son come as an infant child to a little town in a relatively unknown country? To be born as an infant child, to be placed in a manger. Lord, we come tonight and we ask this question and we pray that as we give it some thought that indeed you will be with us. And in the quietness of this Christmas Eve service, you will remind us of the reason that you have come. And you will allow us, Lord, to marvel again at who you are and at what you have done in Christ. Speak to us now, Lord, each one of us here by your Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it is a good question, isn't it? Why? Why did Jesus come? I want to suggest tonight, before we can really spend a little more time looking at that question of why, we need to ask the question first, who? Who was he? Who was this infant who would grow up to be one named Jesus? Sunday mornings here in the last couple of months, actually, we've looked at statements where Jesus, uh, in his adulthood, identified himself, the seven I am statements that are contained in the Gospel of John. And in these statements, he was describing himself to those who were listening to him in that day and even to us now as we seek to understand. Um, There's one more I am statement that we're going to reference tonight as we begin. It's not overly Christmassy, but we'll get there. It comes to us from John chapter 8 when Jesus is debating with his opponents, the Pharisees, people who were uh, ready to attack him, people who ultimately would kill him for who he claimed to be. And his words are these, John chapter 8, verse 58. Jesus answered them, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, Those words, I am, were incredibly important in that context, in that day. These people were Jewish people. They knew the Old Testament incredibly well. They knew that a long, long, long time prior to this, that God had revealed himself by giving him the name, I am. We now translate that as Jehovah or Yahweh. We don't quite honestly know how to pronounce that Hebrew word. But it was God saying, I was and I am and I always will be. I am the eternal God. And you are my people, he said to the Israelites. And I would have you follow me and faithfully worship me and serve me as I love and care for you. And along comes Jesus in his day. And he said, before Abraham was born, I am. And the people who heard that literally tried to kill Jesus because of it because they knew what he was claiming. He was claiming in that moment to be the eternal God. He said, before Abraham was born, I existed. Abraham lived more than a thousand years before Jesus lived. But he, was sa- he said he was there before Abraham came into existence. 
It's a dramatic and remarkable statement. Jesus saying, yes, I am the eternal God. I am the creator God. I am the all-powerful, the almighty God of the universe. That, my friends, is who was born in Bethlehem. And it's out of that realization that we need to come and tonight, if you wish, consider with me not only the question, um, who, but why? Why would God Almighty, why would God, the, the God of eternity, choose to be born as an infant in Bethlehem? Back it up a little bit. Why would the God of the universe, the almighty, eternal God, choose to dwell in the womb of a young woman for nine months? Well, there are a lot of biblical reasons that could be given an answer to that question, but I would suggest to you tonight that the primary reason that Jesus came to this world was because of God's love for us. Jesus came to this world because God loved us. I'd suggest that a lot of people, when they think about this God that I'm describing, this almighty, all-powerful, eternal God, when they think of them, they don't quickly and naturally go to the word love as the first um, descriptor of who he is. They might easily think of power. They might easily think of glory and, and majesty. They might easily think of, of him being distant and potentially far away. Unfortunately, many people think of him as a God of judgment who is angry. It's not true. But what God has told us through the scripture is that he is a God of love. First, I often find myself wanting to quote on Christmas Eve in these services. Uh, I'm going to quote again tonight. Because I think it captures this reality in a way that is simple and clear and powerful if we'll receive it. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world and that he gave his one and only Son in Bethlehem. That whosoever would believe in him would, should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, God out of love for this world, that includes you and me. He gave Jesus to this world and ultimately to the cross because he knew we needed him. So tonight I would like you just for a few minutes to spend some time thinking about the idea that God, wait for it, loves you. What is love? Here's a definition from an, just an English dictionary. A profound, tender, passionate affection for another person. Profound, um, passionate, tender affection for another person. That suggests that God has that deep affection in his heart toward you. And it's not mild and it's not, it's, it's not weak. It is a powerful commitment of his heart toward you. He loves you, the Bible says. I don't know how you respond to that. Some people, oh yeah, I've heard that all my life. Other people said, no, that can't be so. 
But I'm telling you, this is what the revelation of God is toward us. The God who sent Jesus to Bethlehem speaks through Scripture, and this is what he says. I love you. He cares about you. He has something in his heart for you. (laughs) He wants your well-being. Ultimately, Jesus came as... John 3:16 reflects he came into this world and he sacrificed himself the son of god sacrificed himself for your need and mine I want to think about the two primary ways that the bible helps us understand god's heart toward us god's love for us um, and one of them is that when we come to believe in jesus the bible says we become the children of god I'm going to read to you John chapter 1 verse 12 it says this Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you you have ever had a child, you will know the depth of love that takes hold in your heart when you first hold your infant child in your arms. Seeing a mom smiling at me instantly. Um... That is a remarkable thing. I remember when my first child was born and I held him in my arms, it was, it was shocking because there was love there instantly for this little thing. You don't have to work to create that love within you. You don't even have to choose that love. It just is there Because this is your child. It is a love that is powerful and it wells up in the heart of a parent, a mom or a dad. So much so that you will do anything for your child. You will do anything to provide for your child. You will do anything to protect your child. You will even die for your child. Because you love that little one so much. And what I want to tell you tonight is that is God's love toward you. You know, one of my favorite verses in in all of the Bible, I have a lot of them, you know, I I have to be honest with you, but one of them is Zephaniah 3, 17. I'm going to read 15 to 17 for you, and I'll sort of talk my way through it, but then I'm going to spend a little more time when we get to 17. So let's read that together. On that day, and we're talking a prophecy now, there's something coming, the prophet is saying, they will say to Jerusalem, do not fear Zion, do not let your hands hang limp, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. Listen to this. He, God, will take great delight in you. Can I tell you God takes great delight in you if you are his tonight? In his love, he will no longer rebuke you. Another version of the Bible says, in his love, he will calm all your fears. You you understand the sense of that line? It's like when a little child is upset and afraid and a parent takes that child in his arms and quiets him. No longer rebuking, just love. He said, but he will rejoice over you with singing. Just like when a mother or a father takes a child in their arms and sings lullabies to that child. And feels incredible joy within. 
because of the love they have for this little one. My friends, I want to suggest to you in all seriousness, seriousness, this is God's heart for you. And I want to ask you tonight, do you believe that? The other way the Bible describes, one of the other ways the Bible describes this love to us from God is through the reality of marriage. From the beginning to the end of the Bible, uh, God is described as a groom and his people are described as a bride. Think of it. <laughs> Think of it in human terms where a young couple fall in love. They meet one another and what happens? They want to be together. They enjoy each other's presence. And slowly this love begins to grow in their hearts toward one another. Can I say something of God's love is described there? He wants to be with you. He enjoys you. As this couple grows in love, they come to a, the point where they want to commit themselves uh, through marriage vows to one another for a lifetime. They stand in God's presence and they vow, vow love and faithfulness to one another. You know, we who become children of God enter into that covenant relationship with God. God vows his love to us in his protection and his provision and his care and his grace and his kindness. And we vow our love and faithfulness to him. We commit ourselves to him. And we enter into a relationship that is solid, committed, deeply loving. And then think of that couple as they grow into the latter years of life where their love deepens. Do you know people like this? Their love deepens and becomes so profound that it's almost beyond description in words. This, my friends, all of this is God's love toward you. And I ask you tonight, do you believe that? Some might say, but God can't love someone like me. I'm, I'm not that special. I'm not someone significant whom the God of the universe, the God of all power, the God of eternality would actually, actually love. Well, I want to tell you that Mary and Joseph, well, they were two poor teenagers from a little-known country. The power and the glory were in Rome. But Jesus came to the poor. Jesus came to those who were oppressed. Jesus came to those who were suffering. Jesus, the infant Jesus, came to nobodies and to people who had no significance in the eyes of the world. I want to tell you tonight, based on that story alone, although it's the witness of Scripture from beginning to end, God doesn't love you or me because of our status. It's not part of his thinking. Others might say, you know what, I don't think God could love me because of the things that I have done. You're not right. I've wronged people. I've wronged myself. God can't love me. And I want to tell you again, clearly from the teaching of Scripture, God's love isn't given because people are good. And it's not withheld because people are bad. 
literally God's love for us, toward us, as deep and as powerful and real as it is, that love has nothing to do with how we act. And it has everything to do with who God is. See, the God of the Bible is a God of love. It's in his character to love. And it's as natural for God to love you as it is for a parent to love a newborn baby. And it's as natural for God to love you as it is for a groom to love his bride. In the end, this reality of the eternal, all-powerful God being born in Bethlehem, Jesus, the infant, come. Born of Mary. Really, it becomes two things for us. The first thing is it becomes an invitation to every single person who lives, who chooses to consider the reality of Jesus. It's an invitation to believe in him and to remarkably enter into a relationship with him. It's an amazing thing that we're called to believe that each of us can have a relationship with the eternal, all-powerful God through Jesus. The primary way Jesus showed his love for us was to die on a cross, to take our sin to himself so that we would not have to bear it and suffer its penalty. He took our sin to himself and our shame to himself, and he suffered in our place so that we could be forgiven. So, that we could enter into a relationship with God the Father and with God the Son and with God the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, my friends, Jesus came into this world of his own choice and volition sent by his Father because God desired to be in relationship with us. What do you think of that? God desires to be in relationship with you now. And it's an invitation as we gaze at the Christmas story once again for us to simply say yes to him and to enter into that relationship of love. Second thing that I would suggest to you this Christmas story brings to us, the idea that Jesus was God Almighty born in Bethlehem. First, an invitation. Secondly, it's an opportunity. Who here would like to experience the love of God? You have that opportunity. As John 1.12 says, which I've read to you, if we would only receive Jesus, we will know his love. If we receive him by faith into our lives and we enter into that relationship with Christ, we enter into an experience of ongoing love day after day and week after week and month after month and year after year. All through our lives, God will be there to provide for us and to protect us, to show us grace and forgiveness, to enjoy our presence and allow us to enjoy His. God giving us that opportunity to know Him until the day comes when this life of ours ends on earth. And as John 3.16 suggests, 
that if we will believe in him because he so loved the world, we would know everlasting life. You see, that's a gift God, out of a heart of love for you, wishes to give to you. And this Christmas, what I would like is for you to consider Jesus, born in Bethlehem, for you to consider the manger, that cattle trough that some straw was placed in, then a little baby who was all wrapped up in swaddling clothes, the old text says. He was laid in it. That little one. Well, he was the son of God. Can't come into this world. Why? So that you could be in relationship with him. So that you could know his love. My friends, I, w I want to invite you to seriously consider, if you haven't already, doing what John 1.12 says, to receive him into your life, to welcome him into your life. As John 3.16 says, to believe in him as a God of love who has come to save you and me, to meet our need, and to live in relationship with us through eternity. That, my friends, is why Jesus came. And that is what we get to celebrate this Christmas as we remember him and as we give thanks to God for what he has done. Let's pray. Lord, some of the things that the Bible says to us um, are remarkable. But that little infant was God, eternal God Almighty, that he came into this world because he loved not just the whole world, but he loved me. And that we can have a relationship with you because of him. Lord, this is what we're called to believe. And I pray that every person in this room tonight uh, would seriously consider that possibility if they haven't come to that faith already. Lord, I pray that you'll speak into their minds and into their hearts, not just tonight, but that you'll remind them again and again and again that you have come. Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us, and he, ha he continues to be with us by his Holy Spirit. And he continues to love. And he continues to call us into relationship so that we might know the love of God. Lord God, for those who have responded in the affirmative um, to that invitation, for those of us who have received you, for those of us who have embraced these things by faith and believe in Jesus as Savior and as Lord, Lord God, we just, we worship you tonight because of who you are, because of the love that dwells in your heart toward us, because of what you have done that we might be in relationship with you, that we might call ourselves the children of God. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for that gift that has made us your own. Help us to live in love, realizing the love, experiencing the love. And God, we pray that you will help us to love you back because you are good and you are love. Lord, we give ourselves to you again. 
thanking you for who you are and for what you have done for us in Christ. And this we pray in Jesus' name.